0: This is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Welcome to this episode of Hope for Hard Times. It's episode 13, Suffering with Our Savior. It's the episode for Sunday, October 1st, 2023. Rick Carl of WTVM 13 shared a great story. He said that, Jeff Tyler of Wetumpka, Alabama, contacted me to tell me a great story. It's a story that reminds us of Coach Mike Leach's patience, his keen memory, and his interest in others. I think you will enjoy this tale. And he wrote this, by the way, uh, remembering the passing of Mike Leach, the coach at Mississippi State University and their football team. So... Jeff Tyler wrote that three years ago, I took my 11-year-old son to a Mississippi State game. Jackson wanted to see pregame warmups, so we were practically the first fans in the stadium. We took our upper-level seats, and my son asked if he could walk down to the field-level seats to watch warmups, and I let him. Well, this kid somehow managed to convince a security guard that he was supposed to be on the field. The next thing I saw was my son walking up to Coach Leach and fist bumping him. The two started talking, and a few minutes later, Coach Leach was calling over a couple of his players. Now, my son was a center on his YMCA YMCA football team. Coach Leach had his centers showing my son how to snap the ball. I was in the upper deck totally dumbfounded that an SEC coach just spent time in pregame showing some kid he'd never met how to snap a football. My kid comes back to our upper deck seats beaming with pride. (laughs) I saw it as a memory of a lifetime. Two years later, we went to another game. My son was again in the front row watching warmups. A graduate assistant ran over and yelled, are you Jackson? And my son said, yes. The graduate assistant said, coach Leach wants to see you. And he took my son out on the field. Coach Leach asked my son if he had been practicing and then made him do several snaps. Coach told him to keep working on it, gave him a football and sent him on his way. I was in the stands dumbfounded that a coach remembered my son's name, remembered that day, and knew what spending five minutes of his time with a kid could mean. Isn't that a heartwarming story? And it really is. But you know, often the world is not like that. Our name, if it gets called out, we know we're about to suffer, usually. (laughs) So, How do we suffer unjustly for righteousness sake and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in our suffering? Now for many Christians worldwide, this is not a theological question. It is a survival question, a painful question. F.B. Meyer wrote, not to be hated by the world, To be loved and flattered and caressed by the world is one of the most terrible positions in which a Christian can find himself. It's sort of like what the ancient wise men said, what bad thing have I done that he should speak well of me? That's sort of the attitude we should have, that if we end up in suffering for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, We ought to feel pretty good about that. As long as it's not something we did wrong, (laughs) we ought to feel pretty good about like, I don't know how I was blessed and privileged to get here, but I'm suffering for Jesus. This is great. (laughs) Matthew 10, verses 16 to 31, we have the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples, and it can apply to us as well. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles." And when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. For he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant Above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Those are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. He predicts that those who live Godly in Christ Jesus who live for Him shall suffer persecution, just like the Apostle Paul said. Jesus tells us in advance. Now, to the degree that the culture we live in is more biblically oriented, then the, we would assume the persecution would be much less. But as a society and a culture, goes away from those foundings and those moorings, and the culture and society is adrift, then we can clearly expect pushback from a pagan culture. That's where the world finds itself now, you know, believers all over the world, and that's where we increasingly, most likely will find ourselves in the United States. Now, Oswald Chambers, in his excellent book, My Utmost for His Highest, wrote this, and listen carefully, we must never choose the scene of our own martyrdom. See, it's not your job or mine to put ourselves into a situation like that on purpose, saying like, this is a good day to die, you know, that kind of thing. We may find though in following the Lord faithfully that we we end up in such a situation. But Oswald Chambers in that same paragraph toward the middle or end of it wrote these words as well. Grapes become wine only when they are crushed. Now, how, how does suffering come? Well, it comes through people, through problems, and persecution. And there may be something else I couldn't think of, but those are the big three I can think of. And the Apostle Peter who writes First Peter that we're going to read from in a few minutes today, that's where uh, Hope for Hard Times is centered in First Peter right now. And when we're done with that, we're going to go to Second Peter. So The author of 1 Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ who heard these words I read that Jesus said earlier. He heard those early in his life, and then he, after the resurrection, was an apostle. And Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in First Peter, is now going to begin focusing squarely on Christians and suffering, and Christians suffering because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the truth is, even when we belong to Jesus Christ and live daily for him, which I know many of you do, especially because we, we belong to him and live for him every day. We can be attacked, will be attacked by the world system. And ultimately, it's really Satan and his demonic forces behind the people and problems and persecution that we run into in the world system. And you know what? When we face suffering, whatever form it may take, we must face it confidently, and we can. And how do we develop that confidence? Well, it's through preparation, but I like to say that word for this part right here is preparation. In advance, like what we're studying today in 1 Peter 3, we prepare spiritually, mentally, and in some cases, physically. And here's our preparation. We need to know two things. Number one, because we're born again and we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, now some of you listening may not be a Christian yet, but you could become one today. But many people listening are already Christians. We have, number one, everlasting life. We're not going to get it. We already have it. Jesus Christ is our life, and he is born in us. He comes to indwell us when we become a Christian. We already have everlasting life. Now, if the rapture doesn't happen first, this body of mine may die. But you know what? I will never die. I will live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. And on top of that, I get a new glorified body. How great is that? It's awesome. So we need to know that we have everlasting life. And number two, we need to know that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, if you're sort of new to the Christian life, you might be saying, well, how do I know that? Because it says in Hebrews 13, Verse 5, toward the end of that verse, when I'm going to read the whole verse. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's how you know because you're a real Christian and you have everlasting life, If you get into suffering, all capital letters, bold print, and you're wondering, uh, is he with me? You can already know he's with you and he will never leave you. He goes through that whole experience with you and he's already been through it and he can get you through it. But Pastor Ed, what if I die? Back to number one. We have everlasting life. Jesus says, do not fear those who can kill the body, but they can't kill the soul, the real you. Do not fear them. You know, actually, for a long, long time, I've not feared death. I do not fear death. Sometimes I worry a little bit about getting dead, but even that the Lord can get us through you understand what I'm saying? Now here's an exercise, Though, imagine you are arrested and locked away with no contact with anyone. Does anybody even know I've been arrested? Does does anybody know I'm missing? Does anybody even know where I am? You're either going to lose your mind or grow your faith. Go ahead and choose the second option, or How many days, if you were arrested and locked away, how many days could you be deprived of food and water or be beaten with rods before you renounced Christ? So, well, surely that wouldn't happen to a Christian. It's happening already right now to Christians. It has happened all through the ages to Christians, and it could happen to us. Now, let me be clear even though I believe we're approaching the 70th week of Daniel, what, is what we normally call the tribulation, that uh, seven years and the Antichrist reigns and the Lord returns at the end of it and destroys him. All right, so even though I think the world is rapidly approaching that period of time pre-told in the Bible, I also know the Bible tells us the Lord will deliver his church before that time. Yep, I'm a pre-tribber because that's what the Bible teaches. But that does not mean, listen, listen to me. That does not mean, Christians, that as America and the world degenerate into further paganism and depravity, that we will not suffer tribulation now not the tribulation the seventy week of daniel but it but we shall suffer trouble tribulation jesus says that in the gospels how bad could it get i don't know it could get bad it's already bad in many parts of the world where christians are beaten tortured starved murdered for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what I'm happy to report to you? Not that they went through that, but Jesus went with them. They already had everlasting life. No one could kill them, even though they killed their body. And that Jesus never left them, not for one moment through that, never forsook them, and they are with him eternally. In a place of blessedness. Amen. He got them through it. A little more of that exercise. What would you do if the government canceled your bank account because of your stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, your witness, your testimony against a pagan culture? So, well, that couldn't happen. It's already happening to people. It is. It might not be widespread yet, but those people are the test cases. They're the canaries in the coal mine. How how can, far can we go and get away with this to see what government un, out from under the control of God, at least they think they are, they don't love the Lord, they don't know his word, they don't care. That's becoming the attitude of government all over the world, including increasingly, in America. Well, listen, they have plans for people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me assure you of that. I've said this before. I can't prove it, but I have heard it said by people on the progressive left, left rather, that they know who we are. If you are a strong Christian for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on a list, most likely, somewhere. Pastors are, for sure. I know that I am. Have you ever seen the list? Nope. But let me tell you, that's always how this goes. Whenever a regime of evil takes over a country, they already know who they can't allow to live or teach or speak. Or, e- or even be out in public. They know who they don't want to deal with, so they must deal with them harshly at the start. For example, in every ex- every case I know of, when communists have taken over a country, they get rid of basically the, the religious people who won't go along with them, the university professors often, uh, they get rid of police, the military, and the government. Anybody who could be a leader is killed. When the North Koreans, with the help of the Chinese communists, overran uh, North Korea, what became North Korea is what I'm trying to say. When they did that, the people that were trapped in what we now call North Korea, many of them were murdered. A great true example is one of the North Koreans or Chinese communists held a forty-five pistol to the head of a Christian pastor and told him to renounce Christ and he could live. You know what he did? He began to cry out, Jesus, 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 and they shot him through the head. So you're making this up. No, I'm not. You can search this out if you care to learn history and find out that the brutality of communist regimes, it knows no bounds. We could end up there in some way, to some degree. But remember, Jesus is not only our teacher, he is our example, our model, because he's already gone all the way through this. And Peter, who's going to write to us here in a moment, had experienced it himself. He hadn't died yet, obviously, but he had—he was facing eventual martyrdom. The Lord told him after the resurrection that he would die a martyr's death. P- Peter knew this from... I don't know, age 20 or 30, he knew this. To Peter, what he's going to write about was not theoretical. In fact, he had already gone through physical suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read you the story, just a little part of it. This is after the resurrection, after the church is born on Pentecost, and Jerusalem is being overrun with the gospel. So the religious authorities began to act against this new church and its leaders. Acts 5, verses 40 to 42. Now, Peter and uh, the leaders of the church were already called into the council, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Verses 40 to 42. So um, the, the Jewish council agrees with Gamaliel. You can read the whole story in Acts 5. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, listen to this, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And then you can read in Acts 12, where Peter was in prison awaiting execution. That was the first time I think he thought that was going to be the martyrdom, perhaps, that the Lord referred to, but he was released by an angel. What an amazing story. Read about it in Acts 12. So Peter lived through that because he he escaped with the angel's help. Amen. Great story. All right, so let's go to 1 Peter 3, and we're only going to read today uh, verses 13 through 18. And remember, we're talking about suffering with our Savior. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 18. Now, Peter is has just gotten through introducing the whole idea that, that we ought to be the right kind of Christians and we should not be the cause of our suffering because we've been being a bad employee at work or robbing banks or anything where we deserve what we get. So assuming that a Christian lives as the the Lord Jesus Christ told Peter to share in 1 Peter 3 already, you have to go to last week's episode and the one before that and the one before that, hey, just listen to them all, okay? (laughs) Get them all down and catch up with us. But based on all of that, Peter now begins a large section of 1 Peter where he focuses on suffering for righteousness' sake. You didn't do anything wrong. You are born again. You're, you love the Lord's Word. You're sharing the gospel. You're living right in your daily life. And you suffer for it because people can't stand your witness for Jesus or government commands you don't do that and you do you just obey the Lord Jesus Christ instead of obeying those who hate him. First Peter 3 13 18 and who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? Now that is a that is a very reasonable statement to make in a semi-sane world, but as I said, as a culture is given over to mental insanity by God, because they refuse to retain God in their knowledge, read all about it in Romans 1, then that pagan society loses its mind, and that's what we see happening around the world and in America today. You are witnessing mental insanity on the march, and it's only just started. But in a normal world that might not even be Christian, but it's just got its sanity, this statement, and who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? In other words, who would mistreat you who would actually do damage to you if you're only a zealot that's the word used there zealot for that which is good doing good <laughs> well in a normal world we say well nobody would harm people who are doing the right thing and normally we would expect that would be true it demands a a, a, a answer of no one But the world is changing in which we live. So we're going to see how to handle actually being mistreated, actually physically or financially damaged. And you know what that source is? It's, It's from evil. It's ultimately from Satan carried out through his demonic forces and they do most of their work through people. And especially if they can get a foothold on it through government and religious systems of all kinds all over the world. But you know what? Adversity is the university of spiritual blessing. So let's go back and let's read that verse again. Who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? In other words, you're all about doing good. Well, nobody would hurt you normally. But look at verse 14. But, (laughs) that but changes the conversation. And Peter's going to lay it out for us now. The Lord Jesus, through his spirit, inspiring Peter, is going to lay out what we face. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, And that, in the Greek verb tenses there, I don't want to get all down into that, but it means you're going through repeated suffering. Every time you turn around, you're getting challenged by people who don't like who you are or, or whose you are, the Lord Jesus is. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus Christ said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the hungry for they shall be filled. You know, those, we call them the Beatitudes, the, the, uh, the <laughs> sort of not like commandments, but sort of like the, the things that are true of those who follow him, the blessings that we get. But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, Happy are ye, it's the same word, makarios, blessed are ye. Not happy like we think of in English, like I'm happy. Why? Because things are going good for me. That's when we're happy. When are we unhappy? When things are going bad for us. But a Christian is completely not dependent on circumstances. It's not that we don't realize the circumstances we're in but we live in a, we live in two worlds. We live in this world, but we live in the world to come. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. As I've said, we already have everlasting life. We just haven't gotten our new body yet. All right. So, but and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, Happy are ye, blessed are ye is what it means, makarios in Greek. That is a state of being that's completely undependent on what's going on around us. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Don't be terrorized by those who try to terrorize you. I can't stop someone from opposing me, but I don't have to uh, live in abject terror. Now think it through with me just a minute. Say, well, they could beat me. Well, then I get to be like Peter and James. I get to say, I got privileged with the opportunity to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. What did I do to earn that? What a blessing. Say you are crazy. Well, Christians know what I'm talking about, and those who aren't Christians need to get with a program. And when you become a Christian, you will get it. Say, but I could be beaten. Hey, worse things could happen, right? And you join uh, you join the ranks of those who've been beaten for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's some mighty fine company. In that crowd. Well, what if I were locked in prison and couldn't provide for my family? I don't know how, but somehow the Lord Jesus Christ will take care of your family. You know why? You suffer for his name. Well, what if I died? Hey, go ahead and count yourself as dead anyway. There's nothing you can do to a dead man, he's already dead. I'm dead to this world, but I'm alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, when you think it all the way through to its logical, possible end, all right, it might hurt for a moment when I die, but after that, I am home free, baby, and nobody can ever touch me again. Wow, what a doorway! Sometimes I've imagined like if somebody threatened to shoot me because of my faith in Christ, I would say, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And I'm not making light of that. But I'm just saying that actually in a weird way, they would be doing me a favor. I can't lose. But you'd be dead. My body would be dead. I would be free. I would be home forever. Wrap your heart and mind around that. You may need it. Now, what we've got to answer today is, well, how do you do this? Well, first of all, we don't do it. Jesus Christ will tell us what to say and what to do when that time comes. We don't have to work up a speech. He will be there with us. With us. I want you to embrace that. We don't go through something like that alone. He goes through it with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's from the 23rd Psalm. But there, there is some practical instruction here that we have to remember. Look at verse 15. But sanctify, that means to set apart like something that's holy. Or like uh, I've mentioned before, like find China that's only for when important people come to your home. Like your family's not important enough. We're never going to use that when we're just here. But if we have guests, then we break out to China. That's the way it goes in every home. <laughs> and where where is that China kept in a special place it's sanctified but sanctify the lord that's Jesus god in your hearts by the way for people to say that the bible doesn't say jesus is god it just said it right there but sanctify the lord god in your hearts now what does that mean you're about to learn something here that will help you go through suffering with Jesus should your name be called. It means to revere the Lord Jesus Christ as God in your hearts. It means to put him in a place of honor in your hearts. It means to enthrone him in your hearts. You see if Jesus is king Jesus on my heart I'm not going to fear any man or anything man can do because only he holds the place of kingship and god godship in my heart you've got to decide that now and we are to be ready that it that equals that we are commanded to constantly be able to intelligently defend the Christian faith. So let's read the whole verse. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. That means to give a defense. And a defense means like to... Uh, what you know if somebody challenged you, what's your rebuttal? What's your answer? We often use this verse relating to just general witnessing and that's fine. but in the context where it is given, is in the, in the room of suffering, like a jail cell or a torture chamber or the boss's office or wherever. But sanctify the Lord, God, in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And that meekness means we're under the Lord's control, is channeled strength, and uh, we reverence only the Lord. We're not afraid of what man can do to us. Now that sounds like big talk when I'm not in a place where I could be tortured. But I believe by faith what happens is when we end up in such a place, the, the Lord within us roars to the front and he carries us through that time of being... Opposed financially, or beaten, or imprisoned, or anything that man could think of. But when you face that without fear, in, in fact, you face it with hope, and that word hope, the, the idea in Greek, the Christian the, concept of hope, Is not a, well, I sure hope so. That's not it at all in Greek. And that is in English. Like, I hope our team wins. Well, they might not. (laughs) Hope here means a, a certainty. It's as good as done. You can take that to the bank. It's a done deal. That's the hope we have. So, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We reverence only the Lord Jesus Christ as God. You know, when you get to that place, you can answer people when they say, how how can you not renounce Christ? Do you know what they're going to do to you? Now, they might, but they cannot kill the soul. And I'll be home free? Yeah. Verse 16. Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation, and that word means lifestyle, your good conversation in Christ. So picture this. These enemies that you run into, they're ultimately from Satan. They are constantly, repeatedly charging and accusing and insulting and threatening you And you know you've not done anything wrong. You've only done what is right. And they're going to be the ones with egg on their face that are falsely accusing your good conversation in Christ. And by the way, if you remember last week's episode, the Lord sees you, but I'll tell you people he sees Just as much, if not more, is the people who are given Christians grief. He sees it. It is noted and recorded. Verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well doing than for evil doing. Pastor Ed, what? Read that again? All right, I will. For it is better if the will of God be so. What? It could be God's will that I suffer, like you're talking about? Well, I can read English, and that's what it says. For it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing. See, if you're suffering for doing something wrong, well, you deserve that. You brought that on yourself. and You ought to suffer. (laughs) So he says here, for it is better if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. And I want to make an interjection here just a moment. Often, I've heard... uh, A verse from Hebrews used relating to remember them that are in prison. You know, that they're in prison and they need our prayers and we can't forget them. I often hear that applied to just prisoners in general. And I, I get it, I'm not minimizing being in prison. I would probably last one day in prison. But that's not what that verse is about. That verse is about believers in Jesus who've been tossed into prison, that we're to remember them because they didn't do anything wrong to get there. So anyway, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Don't be living wrong because if you suffer for that, You know, don't go to the Wednesday night prayer meeting asking them to pray for you and get you out of it. Probably you need to go through it so you won't ever do it again, you know, in terms of punishment. But that's just me. (laughs) But that part in verse 17, if the will of God be so, yes, it is possible that God's, you know where we say in the four spiritual laws, number one, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? Well, I think in general that's true, and certainly eternally that's true. But, but it could be that God loves you so much that he has selected you to suffer for him. And i give you an example that's a Bible one. When God was in the process, the Lord Jesus, of saving Saul and turning him into Paul, the apostle, <laughs> he showed him through, uh, I believe I got this right, through Ananias, how many things he was going to suffer for Jesus. What? Yeah, that was the will of God for the life of Paul. And you know what? Paul embraced it. And he, he went through it. And he praised the Lord for it. You may or may not be called to suffer like we're talking about today or like Paul did but all Christians will suffer some, but it could be that God wants you for his glory to suffer a lie. Pastor Ed, nobody told me about this when I signed up for Christianity. Well, they should have. Verse 18, for Christ also, now here's here's your real answer right here to verse 17 about the part if the will of God be so. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Now by the way, they weren't his sins, they were your sins and mine. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust. He's just were unjust, but he took our suffering. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. The idea there in Greek of bring us to God means to escort us to God, which is exactly what he's done. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So you remember when Jesus said it's it's good for the servant to be as his master. You remember when he said that. Well, that's it could apply right here. It's what it means, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So we may be called upon to one degree or another to go through real suffering. And if he did it, who are we to say that we should be exempt from that? And even through that suffering, as people question like, how could, how could you just go through with this? Or how did he endure that? Or how he could, could he face death with such hope? And that may bring other people to God. Wow. Listen, I want to remind you again, as we talk about and close about suffering with our Savior at the very last part of Hebrews thirteen five, For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Some of you today are Christians in difficult circumstances because you are Christians and you are following the Lord. Hang in there, He is with you. Others of you are realizing that you have no real reason to even live, much less suffer, and you need Jesus. I want to give you a phone number to call so you can have Jesus 888. 888- Call that number and someone will answer your questions and lead you to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we're done with this episode. You get another one of my famous gold stars for making it this far. If I'm still around, I'll be back with episode 14 of Hope for Hard Times next week. Like this episode, follow the podcast, and share it with someone right now, right from where you're listening. Bye-bye.